Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Girls Next Level. Yes, this is episode three. Yeah, and we're so excited because before we recorded this episode, we announced the podcast and we just want to say thank you so much for all the love and excitement you guys have shown us. It makes us so much more excited to do this podcast. And, you know, we're open all the time on our social media. If you want to drop a comment asking questions or any suggestions, we're super into it. Yeah, absolutely. The response has been so incredible. Like, I really feel overwhelmed, like in a good way. Like, it's oh, been me too. so sweet. No, I was so happy that day. So thank you guys so much. So that was sweet. Amazing. So nice for all the love and support. So thank you so much. And we hope that you guys are really enjoying these episodes. Yeah, and we have a new story time for you today. We're still on the prequel episodes. We still got a lot of tea to get through before we get to our first episode of Girls Next Door. And this episode is going to be all about us moving in, the dynamics with the other girls, all the rules and crazy stuff. How did it get this way? Like we should have all been getting along, right? You would think like but it's, it's like a dream case. situation. Yeah, so super weird. But how did it all end up this way? Okay, so when I first moved in, Bridget, I wasn't given any kind of a breakdown on what the rules were or what was expected of me. And you wouldn't think that would be the case. Like, I think when people want to criticize me and be like, she should have known, she knew what she signed up for and all that stuff, it's like, no, you don't. Like, you know what you see from the outside. None of the other girls are helping you out or giving you any info. I think people picture that scene in the Fifty Shades of Grey movie where she sat down at a conference room table and she's given this big contract about exactly what's expected of her and what she consents to and what she doesn't. Nothing like that at all with our situation. It wasn't corporate or really responsible in any way like that. Nobody tells you anything. The only real rule I knew about before I moved in was the nine o'clock curfew because people like at Fun in the Sun would talk about that because it was such a weird rule. And for me personally, I didn't mind that rule just because keep in mind when I decided to move in, I thought I would be there for a year, maybe. Like I didn't think I was signing away the whole of my 20s to this situation. So I was just at a point in my life where I wasn't interested in like going out to nightclubs. Like I knew we would be doing that with half a couple times a week, but I wasn't down I wasn't like excited to do it on my own time I wasn't interested in like meeting guys I was kind of like in this kind of asexual period in my life like I didn't really care what I was interested in was getting my life back on track and I knew I'd be able to hopefully have some fun experiences at the mansion and also be able to like pay off my college debts and like get back on my feet like that's what I was interested in I was interested in starting a career so I didn't care about partying or staying out late so I, I didn't care about the curfew personally, but that was the only rule I knew about. I didn't know what the weekly schedule was. I didn't know that you weren't really allowed to work or anything like that. Yeah, nobody tells you what the rules are. Like you don't really know what they all are until you're there. Yeah, one of the girls was nice enough to tell me kind of what the weekly schedule was, like as far as like what nights we didn't do anything and what nights we went out to clubs and when there was, I already knew when there was dinner and a movie. 
But she got kind of annoyed with me anytime I tried to ask any more questions. So I just wasn't, I think the other girls kind of felt like, why should I help out this girl? Like what's in it for me? There's nothing in it for me. Let's just let her stumble around and make a fool of herself. Mm -hmm. And when I first moved in, there were a lot of things that were really fun and exciting about the situation. Like I had my first trip to New York and my first trip to Vegas and they were luxury trips. Like I'd never been on a private plane before or stayed in like a four star hotel or like gone to all these events. So that was really exciting. You know, when we went to Disneyland, we got the VIP tour that cuts you into the front of the line, which I never even knew that existed. And the first Christmas I was there, the Christmas gifts were like pretty lavish. Like you would get a card from Hef with like $1,000 cash in it. And he would give each girl enough money to buy seven identical gifts. You got to keep one and you gave the other six to other girls. So we're each getting like six sets of gifts. And I don't even want to say what the amount of money he gave us was because it doesn't matter by today's numbers because I feel like the money he gave us back then, you could stretch it so much further because not just because of inflation, but because designer stuff wasn't as expensive back then. Like the amount of money I was given, I was able to buy two Louis Vuitton evening bags for every girl. And another girl bought like a pair of Gucci shoes and a Gucci bag and you could get that with that amount of money he gave us so I was really blown away by that kind of stuff I would have been too it wasn't like that when I went when I was there I know we'll talk about that like things he definitely uh dialed down the budget a lot and we're talking in months because I just came like what do we say like six months later nine months later something like that so like we're talking things changed a lot in the in like a matter of months absolutely And also, like, you have all these cool things happening. Like, those are the kind of things I would call home about. Like, I didn't tell my parents anything. Everybody's always like, what did your parents think about living at the mansion? Well, my family and I don't have that kind of relationship where we would ever talk about anything sexual. Plus, I'm embarrassed about it. I'm not telling them what's going on. I remember at one point, my dad was in town after I got a new car. He came to pick up my old car because a friend of his wanted to use it. And I kind of gave him a tour of the mansion during the day. And he goes, oh, so does does Hef really live here? (laughs) Like that was how much they knew about it. Yeah. But the kind of things I would call home about was like, oh my God, listen to what I got for Christmas. Or, oh my God, I got to go to New York. Or we went to Vegas on a private jet and we stayed at this really exclusive hotel. And another thing that was good about the first couple months there is I was the new girl. I was the newest. So I was kind of put on this pedestal by Hef. I could kind of like do no wrong. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think one, like you're the shiny new toy, so to speak. And also like if you were to kind of like be mean or controlling or manipulative to someone within the first few months of the relationship, they haven't sunk a lot of their time or energy into the situation. So they'd be more likely to just throw up their hands and be like, I'm out of here. Like relationships that are controlling or anything, they don't start off bad. They start off good. And also I think kind of putting the new girl on a pedestal, it's kind of because he wants to like start drama and stick it to the other girls a little bit. And that's why I get so offended when like Kendra comes out and tries to invalidate my stories because she was always the new girl. You know, nobody knew ever oh, came right. in after her yeah. and she never moved up a slot, so to speak. So she always had that good position where she was always being treated the best and kind of like put on this pedestal. For me, on the other hand, I moved in during a time where everything was really chaotic and Hef was changing the way he handled the girlfriends. And yeah, I was the golden child for like a minute, but it was, it was only like a few months later that things started to change. 
So guys, just in case you're wondering why I'm talking so much in the first half of this podcast, it's just because we decided to tell the story chronologically and there's a good nine months before Bridget moves into the mansion while I'm still there. So don't think this is turning into a solo episode. She will be back chiming in. Right away, Hef took to me and I think the reason he did is because I was the one who liked to stay at home and I liked to go to the buffets. I liked to watch the old movies. Because when I first moved in, I wanted to get my life together and I was hoping that maybe some cool opportunities would come from this. But I also kind of wanted like a month to just kind of chill after just like working really hard in school and at my job and stuff. So I was just enjoying being at the mansion. I wasn't like off property all day or like running around with guys or like trying to sneak out or anything like that. And I think he saw that and kind of wished maybe all his girlfriends were like that. Right. And the girls, the other girls loved that I went to all these events and stuff because they didn't want to. Like when I first arrived, the second to newest girl at the time was the one who was sitting next to Hef at buffets and watching the movies with them and stuff. And as soon as she saw I was doing it, she was so happy because she stopped, you know. So they loved that. And it was maybe just a few weeks after I moved in that they started talking to me about like, oh, I think Hef's going to want you to be the new main girlfriend. Like we started talking about me becoming the main girlfriend before I even got my bunny necklace. And we'll talk about the necklace later that he gives all of his girlfriends. But usually, you know, people who've been through that thing think of that as the first thing. But we were already talking about me becoming the main girlfriend like before I even got my necklace. And I genuinely was not trying to like kiss ass or anything by being around that much. I just genuinely enjoyed it. And it was kind of where I was at in my life. Yeah. And especially right after I moved in, like maybe within a couple weeks, 9-11 happened. And for people who aren't old enough to remember, that was so scary. Mm -hmm. Like when you woke up that morning and heard what happened, it kind of felt like oh my God, what else is going to happen? Because the planes crashed into the Twin Towers and also the Pentagon and Pennsylvania. So I kind of thought, oh my God, is LA next? Like what's happening? And I remember being so grateful to just be living in that big, comfortable fortress. So that was another thing. Like I just, around that time, I was kind of having cozy vibes at the mansion, you know? Yeah, well the mansion definitely feels very secure. Yeah, it does. So 9-11 had a big impact on you too, right? Because your brother enlisted right after. Yeah. He actually had a different career in mind. And then 9-11 happened and he just felt like it was his duty. Yeah. So very early on in the beginning, like Hef started love bombing and talking about how, you know, I love you. And I think, you know, I could spend the rest of my life with you insert joke on how long he has left I know but you know he started talking like that very early on and it was very confusing to me because you know I hadn't gone into this thinking he was like looking for love or anything and I don't think he was looking back I think it was more of like a manipulation tactic like oh I love how this girl is always around the house let's keep it that way but it was really confusing to me at that young age because I didn't think anybody would ever be deceitful to my face about something like that so I just believed it and it also made me feel guilty in a lot of ways because I'm like oh my god he's expecting me to like stay here like this isn't he's not thinking this is going to be like the one year thing that I thought it was going to be so then I started feeling guilty like oh my god am I a bad person or you know 
what's going on. And then also it didn't help later, like anytime I would ask for anything or like express interest in being in the magazine or anything like that, he would throw on a lot of guilt. He'd be like, oh my God, I didn't think you were like the other girls, you know, and just make me feel like a horrible person. And that was so confusing to me because when I made the decision to go into the group, I thought, well, a spot's open, somebody's gonna join. And I thought he was happy with the revolving door of girls, like I said before, and that it wasn't a big deal. And I still don't think being interested in him and being interested in being in the magazine is mutually exclusive at all. Right. I mean, the magazine is a huge part of his life. Like all of his girlfriends or most of them had been in it before. You know, I thought he was proud of his girlfriends. I thought he liked putting them in the magazine. So the whole thing was like a confusing, emotional mess. And I was like, okay, I'm in way over my head. <laughs> So I really started to buy into the relationship thing pretty early on. And, you know, I had always, you know, I would never have moved in if I didn't like him or have a lot of respect for him and things like that. And I I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, how would you describe how you felt about him when you were in the relationship? Well, um, you know, I mean, as we already talked about, like that first night I felt rushed into it and stuff, but it's not like I would have never have been with him. I, I felt that he was very charming. I felt that he was very successful and very mm-hmm. powerful, and that is sexy to me. And, and just charisma goes such a long yes. way. Like I think most women would agree that it's not necessarily about looks with a guy. And I know you're probably listening like, bitch, this is a stretch. He was 75. But, you know, we had been guests at the mansion and kind of got to know him a little bit from a distance. We knew a lot about him. We saw his charisma up close and personal. And, you know, once you get to know somebody, you might be surprised who you're attracted to. Maybe not everybody. You might be listening to this and shaking your head like, hell no. But also I think a lot of people might be surprised. I think they'd be surprised too. When you get to know somebody, a lot of things disappear, especially when they're like so powerful and successful and have done so much. Yeah. So then, you know, we start off with the girls being really supportive of me because they're like, okay, this nerdy girl can hang out with Hef so we don't have to. But it wasn't long before they turned on me hard. And it all started because, you know, they would come in late past curfew or they were out, you know, doing things they weren't supposed to be doing or whatever. And Hef would say to them, why can't you just be like Holly? Why can't you just be, why can't you be a good girl like her? And that that was when they realized, okay, maybe we don't want someone like this around the house because it's just making us look bad. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they were like, hell no. We went on a trip to Vegas about a month and a half after I moved in. And by that time, in that short amount of time, it went from the girl's, pushing me into the main girlfriend spot to them not wanting me there anymore because when we went on this trip we stayed at the MGM mansions which is this big high roller villa it's right next to MGM Grand you can't see it from the strip so we're staying this huge villa with all these rooms and Hef and Tina who was still the main girlfriend at the time stayed in one room and then the rest of the girlfriends were each two to a room they put me with another new girl because by this time, like somebody else had moved out and there was a slot or he was taking an extra girl. I don't remember. And she was the only one who would speak to me the entire trip. Like everybody else wouldn't talk to me if they went out and did something together during the day. I wasn't invited. And it was very much the cold shoulder. And I remember there was one night when we were all in the bedroom and I'd already done my part. So I kind of snuck off and went back to my room because I never thought he would notice in a million years because he's in bed surrounded by like eight other women or how many he took on that trip. 
So I kind of snuck off, went back to my room because I just wasn't feeling the vibe. Like I was getting so much of a cold shoulder from the other girls and I wasn't into the whole bedroom thing anyway. Like everybody else, I just wanted it to end as quickly as possible. So I snuck back to my room and then it turned into this huge drama. Like all of a sudden, one of the other girls was chasing me down. Like, oh my God, Hef is so worried about you. Where did you go? And it was just this big drama. And it was like laid on thick about like, I care about you so much. And when you left like that, blah, blah, blah. So that turned into a weird whole drama. And I was just like, oh my God, what the fuck is this place? It just wasn't what I expected it to be. Like, I hate it when people say that I knew what I was getting into because I thought I did, but I didn't. It was just so much more emotionally over my head than I ever thought it could be. Another interesting thing about the experience for me that was kind of culty is, you know, when they always talk about like people join a cult, they're kind of like cut off from their friends and family. Well, that happened to me, not because I was given orders, like you can't talk to these people, but it just kind of naturally happened because like I said, I didn't have a lot of friends in LA, really any close friends when I moved into the mansion. I just had like acquaintances, but even those people fell off because when everybody heard I moved into the mansion, all of a sudden everybody wants to be on the party list. Even some girls were asking me to get them in the magazine, which I could have never done. I couldn't even get myself in the magazine. And when I couldn't provide those things, people got pissed because they thought I was just holding out. So all of a sudden I'm like, okay, can't talk to these people anymore. My one friend was Ashley, a girl I met at the mansion. And she was coming to the mansion because her grandfather used to be Hef's musical director for a TV show he did back in the day. So she was kind of like a friend of the family. She was kind of part of that community. And she would come up and hang out with me in the early days. Like we would just hang out together. Sometimes we'd like go to Disneyland during the day or go get lunch. But she was hanging out at the mansion a lot. And before I was the main girlfriend, I lived in room five, which was the smallest bedroom. And sometimes she'd stay over and stuff. But it wasn't long before the other girls started to get pissed about that because they're like, why is this bitch at this house getting all the benefits, ordering food, and she doesn't have to go into the bedroom and pay her dues like anybody else, you know? So at some point, one of the girls started a rumor about Ashley. I forget what it was, but it was something that would have gotten her like banned from the mansion. And it was so egregious and so ridiculous that I went to half during the day. I tracked him down, found him in his room. And I was like, hey, I just want to talk to you about the Ashley thing. Like she didn't do this. Like they're full on making it up. And at that time, I knew I could get kicked out for saying that. Because granted, I was desperate and stuff. Like I needed a place to live. But I, I just, I couldn't do that to my friend. I couldn't just stand by and watch her get banned, you know. So I went to half and I talked to him about it and he was like, okay, you're right. That makes sense. Don't worry. She's not banned. And I remember thinking, oh my God, like he believes me. Like we really do have a connection. Like he sees who's good and who's not. Like he sees what really happened. Like he sees the truth of this. Like that's when I really felt connected with him. Like, oh my God, like I didn't necessarily think he would believe me over the other girls. That would change later. Like I never after that really felt comfortable necessarily going to Hef with stuff. It would always kind of be a crapshoot. Like sometimes he might agree with me. Sometimes I'd get my head bit off, you know. But because I was the new girl and I was still the golden child, he took my side. But the sucky thing about that whole thing is Ashley knew what went down. So she never came to hang out again. Like you would still see her like at the big parties, but she wasn't hanging out during the day. She wasn't coming to buffets because who would want to? Like she knows there's six other girls up there who have it out for her. You know, 
those kind of things happen and that adds up to me being really isolated like I don't really have anybody which in turn makes me more dependent on this situation. Mm-hmm. So there were a few factors that over time made me afraid to leave the mansion. Isolation was one of them, not really feeling like I had friends outside the mansion, not being able to work because at first I kept my waitressing job at Hooters. I just did a couple days you know, during the week just because I thought if it doesn't work out here or if I get kicked out or something happens, at least I already have a job. At least I'm one step ahead of just like, going around applying for jobs. It's just a waitressing job. It's not a lot of money, but still. But it wasn't long before he told me I had to quit that because they wanted me to do like a bikini contest. He said no. He said the job made him jealous. I needed to quit my job. So I did because financially it didn't make sense for me to choose the job over the mansion. But that, you know, made me feel like I had less options. And there was also things like I would see Hef freak out on girls if they came home late from the curfew. I'd see him like stomp his feet and yell at them and say, you're young, go live your lives. And, and they're standing there like aghast, like, oh my God, are we getting kicked out? And I saw a girl get kicked out right before Christmas. One of the other girls narked on her and said that she was really visiting a boyfriend when she was supposed to be visiting family for the holidays. So Hef kicked her out. And when he kicked her out, I mean, had all her stuff packed up in boxes left by the back gate you know banned from the property and the girl who narked on her was like gloating about it and she was saying to me I think she's even going to be DNA'd and I was like what does that mean because I thought that Matt Heff was going to like take a swab of her DNA or something and she goes no 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 do not admit like she's not going to be allowed back to the parties and that really changed my perspective because when I moved in at first, I thought all the former girlfriends and all the playmates were welcomed back with open arms so because did I. a lot of them were. But the thing is, you never hear about the ones that are excommunicated. So I was just like, damn, the stakes are higher here than I ever thought. Like, I can't step out of line or else I'm banned from even being a part of this community at all. So then when Tina finally decided to move out, I became the main girlfriend. I moved into the main bedroom and I asked Hef if I was going to also be able to keep my other room in the house because Tina had an apartment. And I knew that Brandy had an apartment too. He said no. I also asked if I had nights off because Tina had had two nights off where she had left and went to her apartment. As far as I knew, Brandy had had a night off. But he said no, so I moved into the master bedroom and there is no privacy in there because not only are you sharing a room with Hef, but I get like a small section of the room, which is really a corner in his closet called the vanity where I can put my stuff. And there are secretaries going in and out of there all day, making changes to his calendar. There's guys going in and out of there all day, like people who work at the house because they have to like put away Hef's pajamas. Like that was always a dude. So I had no privacy whatsoever, day or night. Well, and all the girlfriends could come in and out at their leisure too. Absolutely. And at night, everybody was coming into the bedroom and I was always self-conscious because it's like, okay, I have all my belongings in the vanity and all these bitches who hate me are going in and out of there at least twice a week. Who knows if they're not grabbing stuff or fucking my shit up, you know? It just, the whole experience was very destabilizing for me. And I also felt like I had no security in the main girlfriend position. I always felt like I was going to have the rug pulled out from me at any moment. And I've even heard like Crystal Hefner in random interviews talk about that. She said it just like that. And I felt the same way. So there was something about the way Hef treated his main girlfriends, at least after me, 
that made you feel like you weren't really secure. Like you could get the rug pulled out from you at any time. And I didn't know what that looked like. I'd never heard of like a main girlfriend being demoted or anything. I just figured it would probably be a really humiliating experience. So I just felt like I was always walking on eggshells. I felt like I was walking around in a glass tube and I like couldn't make the wrong move. I was going to set Hef off or set one of the girls off or get kicked out or something. So between navigating Hef's expectations and feelings, navigating the drama with the other girls, having zero privacy, and then the bedroom experience was kind of constantly traumatizing for me a little bit because I just didn't feel comfortable having sex in front of people. That just eroded my mental health to the bone. So when you get around to watching me in the first episode of Girls Next Door and you see a zombie, that's why, because I'd been going through like three and a half years of that at that point. It was just a super high stress environment for me. And by that time I was just fried, like mental health done, completely broken human, you know? (laughs) And there was an element of this relationship that was very much like a job, but it wasn't just that. It was the fact that you weren't allowed to work. You had to be in that house by nine o'clock every night. You had to be with him at every public appearance he made. You had to look a certain way. You had to dress a certain way. You had to be a PR machine for him if you were ever in front of a camera or a microphone. Like it was most definitely a job. Yeah, well, not to jump ahead on my story or anything like that at all, but I never looked at the allowance that we got or anything like that as like money for sex. It was money for the clothes that we needed to get, money for not working all the time so that he could, or at all, not working so that he could have full run of our schedule. It was attending everything. So I would say a few months before I became the main girlfriend, I started to notice a change in how Hef was handling his relationships with the girls. And I call this his bachelor era, not meaning bachelor like single, but bachelor like the TV show, because girls started to move out right after Christmas. They weren't subtle about it. Like, I mean, get your bag. I'm not judging, but like the girls moved out like right after Christmas or right after a centerfold came out. Like they were always waiting for something. Like they didn't even give it like an extra month to kind of like finesse. It was like, okay, Christmas, I got all my gifts, bye. So a bunch of girls had moved out. There were only like three of us left. Everybody knew Tina was moving out. So we had all these spots to fill, but he wasn't filling them right away. Can I interject really quick? I just feel like that would give somebody insecurities. You know, when girls are leaving like right after Christmas or right after birthdays or right after getting a centerfold or whatever. Yeah, because it's not slick. Like, let's be real. Everybody was there, at least in large part, for some kind of economic advantage or something. Because who would devote that much time or be in a relationship where you're not really getting respect or monogamy or anything like that. But it's like, they're not even like subtle about it. (laughs) You know, it's just like, bye. (laughs) Well, do you think everyone was there for a transactional reason? Or do you think some people were there just for the experience and the, I mean, I guess you could say that's a transaction too, but I just feel like some people, like, I feel like when I decided to do it, Mm -hmm. not jumping ahead, (laughs) trying not to jump in, but when I decided to do it, that I, um, it was more about the opportunity of like this crazy experience once in a lifetime to live at the mansion and do all of these amazing things. I think that's part of it. And for me, that was a huge part of it too, was I wanted like, not just like a place to live while I was getting back on my feet and maybe opportunity to like be in the magazine or something, but also like, it is kind of a cool once in a lifetime thing to say you lived at the Playboy Mansion or to like go on these lavish trips and things like that. Um, but I just think the cost of it is so high with the sex and the putting up with all the drama 
from the girls that you kind of have to have a payoff. And I'm not saying that like to beg on him, like, ooh, he has to pay people to have sex because he's gross. Like, it's not like that at all. But I just feel like the drama and what's expected of you in this situation, it's such a high price that I don't think anybody's there just for the experience. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, would you say after you moved in and kind of got a little taste of the experience and, oh, it's fun, would you have stuck around that long with all the drama we had to go through? I mean, we did stick around forever. (laughs) I know, but I felt like that was because I felt like I didn't have any options financially or, I mean, we could do a whole episode. We should probably like get a therapist in here and do a whole episode on like why people don't leave unhappy situations. Like I could talk about that forever, but I just feel like when somebody says they were there not because they wanted to be in the magazine and not for the money. I don't really believe it because the cost is so high. Oh, believe me, my whole motivation in in anything with Playboy was I wanted to be in the magazine. I wanted to be a playmate. So there was always that. And and even when I felt like that was not going to happen for me, I still always had, well, maybe. And it worked. Well, And it did work. (laughs) It did work. But, I mean, we did put up with a lot until we got to that point. Yeah. So when Hef was in his bachelor era, he has like five open spots at the house and he's inviting a ton of girls out with us every night. All these girls are coming up in the bedroom, not all of them, but most of them, the ones that get invited back anyway. And there was one night we went to a club with like 14 women. Like we Mm -hmm. did not all fit in the booth. It was nuts. It was claustrophobic. And what I saw him doing was kind of auditioning girls and seeing like who's going to be the most enthusiastic who's going to show up every single night I want to go out who's going to ask for the least because there was a time before Tina left when she was asking oh are we going to get money for the Golden Globes to buy dresses and he said you know I spent five million dollars on girlfriends last year which I can't even wrap my head around I don't think that's true because I'm trying to think of what could he have possibly paid for for all these girls that would have added up to that I don't know if he was factoring in like all the trips he took and like blaming that on girlfriend's expenses but I saw him like tighten the purse strings significantly like probably like January February of 2002 like right around the time Tina was leaving and it was funny because later some of the mean girls who moved in would know that we got so much more before and weren't getting as much after when he went into his bachelor era and they blamed it on me Like, A, as if I have any control. I'm like the youngest, newest girlfriend. Who cares if I'm the main girlfriend? It doesn't matter. But they try to blame it on me. And that was one of the big reasons they hated me is they thought, oh, well, Tina must have really been good at getting money for all the girls and Holly's not doing it. But it's like, it's not my decision. He made that decision because he'd been put on warning by his financial people or the company or whoever that he's spending way too much money on the girls. Like, I heard him have that conversation with Tina. Right. But they felt like you needed to be the advocate for all the girlfriends and get the most that you could for everybody. Which is extra crazy because those girls were so mean to me. Like, they didn't even try to be. not Like, why would I advocate for them? It's crazy. Well, not only that, but they were so materialistic that I feel like no matter what you would have gotten them would have never been enough. Would never have been enough. The bar would have always been set higher each time. And there was one time I tried to go to bat for somebody. I wasn't even asked to do it. But this was during Hef's bachelor era. Room two, the biggest room in the house, was open. And one of the girls who was already living there wanted to move into room two, which made sense because she had seniority. But this other girl who was auditioning for Playmate started coming out with us, and she brought her 
female friend with her and they were super into each other and like doing all this crazy stuff in the bedroom and Hef was like all hyped on her and she was like I want to move into room two and then after that conversation like all the girls left and I said to Hef I go oh you know like I know she really wants room two but she's brand new I think so and so should get room two because she really wants it and she's been here so long and I'm not kidding you Bridget he bit my head off and yelled at me and was so mean like how dare I suggest that how dare I say anything I ended up in tears and I said to him I'm like well clearly this relationship isn't what I thought it was because this was after like months of him like love bombing me saying he wanted me to spend the rest of his life with him and like I can't even have a reasonable conversation with him and then he starts fake crying back like he would do oh this relationship isn't what I thought it was I'm like this is insanity. So I never went to bat. Not that I was even ever good at going to bat for myself, but I never went to bat for anybody after that. And I don't think anybody else would in yeah. my shoes. I think we should talk a minute about the fake crying because you just bring it up nonchalantly, oh. but it was like an actual thing. No, it was an actual thing. Hef would fake cry when he was trying to get his way with a girl. Like mm-hmm. if we were emotional about something or asked for something, he would start fake crying and it was such bad acting and so <laughs> obvious And for the longest time, I never talked to anybody about it because I thought maybe I was the only one noticing this. I didn't really, you know, and plus I didn't trust most of the girls in the house. So who am I going to talk to about it? But I remember not long after Kendra moved in, she said to us, she goes, does he have fake cry? Because I was talking to him about it. He started fake crying. And I was like, (laughs) finally, I know I'm not insane. Right. It was a thing. I think you and I had talked about it before, but it's like. Yeah, probably after we got comfortable with our friendship, we started talking about it. But It was insane just how obvious it was and how bad acting it was. But you can't say anything because he's the one who has all the power in the relationship. What are you going to do? Accuse somebody of fake crying? That sounds crazy. It was like a weird gaslighty thing. And it's like, it just makes you back off because what else you're going to do? He's fake crying. Right. It was insanity. And something I would have never expected from like a cultural icon. I know. Like that's the whole thing. I just had this idea in my mind of what I thought Hef was going to be based on what he'd accomplished, based on what I saw from a distance, and he's a fake crier. I feel like I'm pretty defensive of Hef, like not as much as some people, but I do... I do come to his defense a lot, but the fake crying was for real a thing. It was 100% for real. The first time I saw it, I just was like, wait, what is happening right now? You don't know what to do. There's no No. way you can react. There isn't. Another thing that made me feel really unstable during like the Bachelor era is I never missed a night out. There were only like two times I did and it was because I had like surgery or something and had to recover and just couldn't go out. And both of those times he moved a girl into the house that night. And I feel like that was kind of on purpose. Like... Because he knew, like I'd expressed to him before that I wasn't really that enthusiastic about all the girls in the group and that sometimes it got really claustrophobic for me and I don't have any privacy in the main bedroom, hint, hint, you know, but so I think he knew that and I just thought it was oddly coincidental that every time I missed a night, a girl would be moved in. And one time a girl got moved into room six and it was like a brunette who only stayed a couple days. I don't think she even wanted to be a girlfriend But I feel like between him and like the other girls who are trying to annoy me, that was done on purpose. Like, bitch, you can't even take a night off because look what happens. That's insane. Yeah, it was crazy. So then you start coming out with us in like May of 2002. Mm -hmm. And we talked about your first night and going up to the bedroom and everything. So how did that turn into that one night into you becoming a girlfriend and moving in? It was a slow process. 
it was, but it was for everybody at that time because he wasn't moving anybody in quickly because he was like, I don't want to say it was like hazing, but it was like he wanted to see who was going to be loyal, who was going to go out and ask for the least and participate the most and all that kind of stuff. So it's like that for everybody. Yeah, it was a very slow process. And at the same time, it was sort of a whirlwind. And what I mean by that is like that after that first night, like the next day I immediately got invited back out and we went and did um, a talk show. And then the next night I'm invited out to the club. And then the next night we went out and did like some special event. And there was just like so much happening and so quickly. And suddenly I was like in the group and out with everybody and stuff. But there was this was still a time period when there were like easily 12 girls going out with us on a night and everyone felt like they were kind of vying and I wasn't necessarily vying I was just sort of going with the flow seeing what happened yeah what happens here I had my apartment and um but I was spending the majority of the time at the mansion and I was in bedroom three which is the shared room there was like sometimes three four of us in that room a night usually at least two it was Stacy and I for the longest time Um, And it was just a very, very slow process to the point where months down the road, I was sort of like, wait, why am I paying for this apartment still? Because I spend probably 75% of my time at the mansion. Like, why am I paying for this when I could just be staying there? And I know that I talked to one of the other girls about it and she was like, oh, you should totally move in. I mean, Heff will pay off your, and I said, oh, I have a lease and stuff and I have my cat and I really don't want to, you know, what am I going to do? And she was like, oh, Heff loves animals. You can totally move your cat in and um, Heff will pay off your lease. And I thought, wow, what have I been doing in my apartment for so long then, you know? So I went to talk to Mary about it because if you remember, like I was friends with Mary before I was even coming up to the mansion. So I felt like I could talk to her about things. And I went in and I told her that I think that um, uh, I wanted to ask Kef if I could move into the mansion. She said, oh, why do you want to do that? You don't want to do that. She knew about the drama. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was kind of taken aback. I mean, I knew about the drama too, but because I had been coming up for months and stuff, but I just wasn't prepared for her to feel like I shouldn't do it. She just felt like with my education and, and stuff like that, that I shouldn't waste my time at the mansion, that I need to move on. And at this point in my life, though, the mansion was my whole life. Like, And you'd already done school, and you have all the time in the world to become a teacher, whatever you wanted to do. Right, and I just felt like this is my time to do this right now, and I didn't, I was not wanting to just go and do a quote-unquote regular life right now. Like, this is like, I've come so far. What do you mean I shouldn't move in? And I said, um, you know, that so-and-so told me that, that Hef would help me pay off the lease. And she said, well, I don't know about that. I'd have to ask Hef. And I said, okay. And so we left it as she was ask him. And she called me back in. And well, actually Hef came into me, came into my, into the room three where I was staying and said that um, he would love for me to move in and that it's totally fine for me to bring the cat. He loves cats and all animals, but that he would not be paying off my lease. Do you think the girl set you up when she was like, oh, Heffel, totally pay for your lease? Because the other girls wanted every other girl to ask for money and ask for stuff as much as possible because then they didn't look bad when they asked for stuff. I didn't think it at that time, but there's another instance that's going to happen a little bit later that we're going to tell you about. And after that instant happened, I was like definitely thinking they were 
they were setting me up for things. Yeah. Um, but at this point, I just thought, oh, Hef doesn't want me here enough to want to pay off my lease. He just wants, he, uh, he's okay if I move here, but he doesn't want me here that bad where he's willing to pay right. off my lease. And so I didn't move in right away still. I kept the apartment because if I'm gonna it, it was gonna end up being like about as much money to pay off the lease as it would be just to keep the apartment for a couple more months so it was a very very slow process so would you say the first thing was like probably getting a bunny necklace because he gives everybody a special bunny necklace when they're a girlfriend like a custom one which you're wearing right now if you're watching the video yes of this I've, <laughs> I've been wearing it while we record the podcast because I just feel like it's inspiration um yeah so it's a really slow process so you I you you go out you are with Hef the first night then you're hopefully invited back which I was and then you start going to all these different things um you you're expected to keep up his schedule even though you're whether you're living there Mm -hmm. or not then eventually uh some people I don't think there's any kind of set time it's just whenever he thinks of it he'll give you a bunny necklace and this is a -a one-of-a-kind bunny necklace that he has specially made and the only people that get them are playmates when they when their issue comes out Mm -hmm. and um girlfriends and um I'm sure you've probably seen it on the show before but it's like a I don't know, is it platinum or is it just silver? Silver bunny. Yeah, with diamonds in it. With like a bunch of little diamonds in it. And I used to see other girls wearing that and be like, I want a bunny necklace so Mm -hmm. bad. So I was so excited when I first got it. And then eventually... Uh, for me, I asked to move in, but either he will, you know, suggest that you move in or, you know, you ask and he says yes, and then you move in and then it's kind of like whatever room is available. And for me at that time, there wasn't a room available, um, but he was like, you can have room three, but you have to share it still. Yeah. And room three is a big room. It's the room that I stayed in the rest of my time. And there was three um, beds in it. There were three beds in it, and for the most part, I shared it with Stacy. Um, but, but then randoms would come home with us sometimes, and you'd have yeah. to like share with them. And you don't know who these people are, and they're wasted. Yeah. So that must have been a wild ride. It was. And not only do you have to share the room with them, but you're kind of, or at least maybe I just felt the responsibility of sort of showing them the ropes a little bit, like you know, kind of taking them under your wing a little bit and like escorting them back to the room yeah. and like room three and like telling them like what happens and giving them pajamas and like making them feel comfortable and like not so lost. So I felt like I had that sort of responsibility for every new person that came back with us. So after you moved in and got your bunny necklace, then the next step is being put on the thousand dollar a week clothing allowance. Right. And can we talk about how we collected that allowance every week. So it's a little interesting. Yeah. So when you become a girlfriend, you get put on not only an allowance, which is a thousand dollars a week, but you also get the salon and uh, just like lots of different perks. Yeah. Cause we all have to have the platinum blonde hair. So he pays for our salon bills. Yeah. Um, but- which I didn't know when I first moved in, I was still dyeing my roots on my own in my room. Cause nobody told me. And then finally the girl who was in the room that I shared a bathroom with, there was a Jack and Jill bathroom between. She was like, you know, you can just go to the salon and do that. And I think she finally only told me because just like the smell of that peroxide <laughs> is so strong. She was probably like, make this bitch stop. But none of the other girls told me I could go to the salon. Like that's how gatekeepy they were. Yeah. Nobody tells you that kind of thing. I 
mean, I just learned eventually, like you just kind of figure things out mm-hmm. eventually. I don't even remember how I first learned that I think an event was coming up and, and Mary was like, why don't you do, go to the salon? And I'm like, oh, can I do that now? And she's like, uh, yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Nobody tells you anything. Um, but collecting the allowance was a whole thing because really they should have just given us the have should have just given us the allowance it should have been slipped under our door or put in our mailbox or something how hard would it have been for his whoever goes to the bank for him because you know he's not even doing it to put like a thousand dollars cash in an envelope for each girl and leave it with Norma in the office right but no that wasn't the way it was done you had to track this multi-millionaire business mogul who still at that point in time was very much the editor-in-chief of Playboy magazine with a very busy day you had to track him down in the middle of the day and be like hi honey can I collect my allowance and I will say the only upside to being the main girlfriend because in case anybody's wondering there's no upside you don't get more money you don't get treated better there's no upside in fact it's worse because you don't get your own room you're constantly on watch and under the microscope you can't get away with anything so the only benefit of being the main girlfriend is because I was already in the room with him I could just ask first thing in the morning when he woke up before he walked down to the office oh hey could I grab my allowance this week so it was easy but for you guys I feel for you because you had to like find a time during the day to track him down and pray he's not busy or in a bad mood Mm-hmm. And then um, when you did, it was always just felt so weird to like ask for money. Like, oh, hi, honey, can I get my allowance? And he was always very nice about it, at least for me. He'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. And then he would walk over to the safe and open it up. And he has this little black book in there that he would pull out. And Ew. the black book kept track of a few different things. Yeah. It kept track of when somebody collected their allowance, he would mark it off because so you couldn't ask for it twice and um but it also kept track of who slept with him and when exactly when I was moving out of the house Bridget I wanted so badly but I had no access if I could have gotten to that drawer and burned that book I would have because I'm just so disgusted with how he like keeps a record of who he has sex with what night and takes all these nudes of all the girls like when they're in the limo and drunk and flashing and stuff and then prints them out hands them to every girl in the limo puts them in a scrapbook which I later found out at that point he planned on like donating a scrapbook to a library so that was another thing that made me feel kind of weird and afraid to leave is I felt like there was this mountain of revenge porn that everybody's gonna see at some point so I might as well like hide here you know what it was just gross yeah so it was just very uncomfortable asking for allowance I felt I always felt uncomfortable and a lot of times I wouldn't ask for it for weeks at a time like I would go in and be like oh I think I forgot to come and get it last week and the week before and it's not that I forgot it's just that I didn't want to do it didn't somebody get mad at you for some point yes multiple times I got in trouble from the other girls because they would scold me and say if you don't ask for it every week he's gonna think we don't need it he'll say oh you're li-, and he would make comments like oh you're living within your means yeah and then and the other girls would be like right at the door first thing I think it was on Friday mornings like waiting to get it like couldn't you know barely wait for him to get up before they were collecting it but I would sometimes wait like a couple of weeks and I would get in trouble for it from the other girls um or I would also try and like do it with another girl like yeah when Crystal was there or like Stacy or whatever like let's go get our allowance together 
Because then it didn't feel so weird if you were asking at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't do this to me, and I guess he didn't do it to you, but I've heard other girls complain that when they went to ask for their allowance, they would kind of be given, like, a report on, like, how good a job they were doing. Like, he would pull out that book where he kept track of who he had sex with what nights, and he'd be like, oh, you've been on your period. For three weeks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, he would give people, like, a report, like, oh, well, you're not really doing enough here or you're not really participating here or you didn't come out with us that night like he would always use that moment as a way to like let them know what they were doing wrong and yeah and he would always say too um to them so I heard was that like oh you haven't been coming down to buffet or you weren't at fun in the sun and like he definitely kept track of what they were coming to and not coming to and using it against them when they would collect their allowance as if you haven't been doing your part so you don't really deserve this money but I'm gonna give it to you anyway and you better like step it up yeah so awkward so I would say when he finally started to narrow the group down and there was kind of seven of us that was right around the time we shot MTV Cribs right yeah I think so August of 2002 and I remember MTV Cribs was the first thing I'd ever done in the Playboy world where I got any positive feedback from the outside world like people I knew from high school saw MTV Cribs and they're like oh I saw you on TV that was so cool And I just felt like it was like a cute, wholesome little representation of our life at the mansion, kind of a preview of Girls Next Door. And it was something everybody saw because that show was so iconic at the time. And it's the most iconic episode of Cribs, if you ask me. It's the one everybody remembers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember it being really fun. I remember feeling so cool that I got to be a part of it. And... Mm -hmm. It was just like a really neat thing to be a part of. And also that month was the Midsummer Night's Dream Party. Mm -hmm. And that was the first big Playboy party you'd gone to as a girlfriend, right? Yes. So as a girlfriend, you would meet in Hef's room. We'd all gather together and we would all walk down the stairs together to make this like grand entrance, take a picture lined up at the foot of the stairs. And then at the party, we were pretty much expected to stay at the table the whole night, either sitting at the table with him or kind of dancing right in front of the table. Mm-hmm. Like we weren't really allowed to like run around and mingle oh, or like no. go to the grotto. No. Like people always ask me like for crazy mansion party stories, like who had sex in the grotto. I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't really allowed over there during parties or anything. And I heard from other people that people didn't really get crazy until Hef had already gone upstairs because nobody, which sounds counterintuitive, but I think people didn't want to be caught like misbehaving and possibly getting kicked off the list or anything. So I heard people got wild after he went upstairs. Yeah. And plus, I mean, it's just later in the night, people are drunker and more less inhibitions. And so it makes sense. And another thing that happened that month like I said, we've got to get Stacey Burke on the podcast, but she ended up getting kicked out. And would you say that that whole debacle was one of the reasons the other girls started to target you and not like you? Oh gosh, I don't know, but we should talk about Stacey a little bit and what happened to her. Yeah. Do you want to tell it? Cause I feel like you know the story a little bit better. Yeah, I know it. I think I know it sort of, but I'm not a hundred percent on it. So we definitely want to have Stacey on the show to talk about all of it. But I, like I said, I still had my apartment and one night, she called me and she was in tears and crying and saying that um, the other girls were trying to get her kicked out. And I said, what What? What are they saying you did? And she said, they're telling um, Hef that I did porn and they don't want to be seen with me. And I said, did you do porn? And she said that she had done some things in the past that were like porn-ish and that um, 
the reason the other girls know is because they were in it too. But they're not admitting to it. They're just trying to get Stacy kicked out. Yeah. Oh and God. so they were pulling up um, images and things of her and saying, we don't want to be associated with her and we want her out. And I was like devastated because at this point, Stacy is like the only person that I'm like really tight with. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to see her go. Like I've, I, we shared a room yeah. for the most part. And uh, I just was like, no, she was so much. I had a lot of fun with her. And, um, she made me feel comfortable and I didn't, I definitely didn't want, not want her to go. So I was trying to like go to bat for her and I was like looking, trying to find if they can find stuff on Stacy then, and they were in the same movie. Like we should be able to find stuff on them too. And Stacy and I were looking stuff up and we found some things that were possible indications and turned them into uh, Mary and they ended up kicking Stacy out. Yeah, I have always referred to it as Stacy getting voted off the island. Because mm. I don't think it was so much that he cared. Like, he kind of had this weird rule that, like, strippers weren't supposed to be playmates and things like that. But I don't think he cared so much. It was just like all the other girls had met in this one bedroom. And I remember there was one night they came knocking at the door and they're like, Hef, you got to come see this. So he goes to look and they're showing him, like, pictures of Stacy online and stuff like that. And he said that they all voted. She got voted off the island, so she wasn't allowed to stay. And since when did Hef ever like let people let the girlfriends vote somebody off? I know it was weird. It was very weird. And I mean, I really tried to go to bat for for Stacy, and um, I really wanted her to stay. But in the end, uh, she did get kicked out. And not only that, but like. To make matters worse, that Midsummer Night Dream party, she showed up in an outfit. It was like a fetish costume because yeah, she was so, also a fetish model. Yeah, she's a fetish model. That's what she does. So uh, she showed up in this um, fetish model costume. It was a horse. It had hoofs and a tail <laughs> and like a ball gag in the mouth. And um, just she could barely walk in it. Like I remember helping her to the yeah. table because she couldn't even like – there was no way really to walk in it. You're walking on tiptoes and the hoofs and stuff. And the other girls were so appalled and like freaked out by this that it was just the last straw of Stacy being like, at that time, Stacy being seen with us publicly. Yeah. So some of you guys might be wondering like how Bridget and I became friends. Like you might have listened to last week's episode where, you know, Bridget was coming out with us and nobody was telling her what went on in the bedroom. And you might be thinking, well, where were you, Holly? Why weren't you telling her? Why weren't you helping her out? And one thing you have to understand about me was like I was already moved into the main bedroom. I was so claustrophobic with Hef's bachelor era with like all these girls coming out. I didn't want anybody moving in. Like I had met you and liked you. I liked Stacy. There were a couple other girls coming out with us that I liked. But I didn't want, I wasn't wanting anybody else extra to move in. I didn't, and I was definitely not going to recruit anybody into the bedroom because I didn't like the way my experience had gone down. So I would have never like, quote unquote, helped anybody else get into the bedroom. That was just not going to happen. But I would say we became friends probably like a few months after you started 
coming out with us. It was just kind of like a gradual thing. Like It was very gradual and very slow. And it was just little things. Because I felt like you were, um, I don't want to say standoffish because that sounds like No, I like am mean. standoffish. I'm 100% sta- I'm the most what? aloof motherfucker anybody's going to be. I'm just quiet. I'm an introvert. I have this icy Aquarius rising veneer that like nobody can get through it's just the way I am I think I'm on the spectrum too like there's so many things like I'm not a person who anybody really feels comfortable getting to know I don't think (laughs) well so I was like okay well she she's doing her own thing with Hef and so I'm gonna you know Stacy's like the opposite of that Stacy's like super outgoing and like let's play pickleball and let's do this (laughs) and that and you know like and she was so that was the first person I gravitated to but for us, it was much slower. And it was because I also enjoy going to the buffet movies. Mm-hmm. And I was also at the Fun in the Suns where the other girls didn't even show up. And eventually it was like, you know, little things like, oh, what are you reading? And then we'd have like a common interest in something that you were yeah. reading about or that I was reading about. And then we would talk about that. And then um, the the buffet dinners and the, the old movies. And I was, Stacy and I were the, like the only other two people that were showing up to any of those kinds of things. Yeah. So it just kind of became natural and it was a slow progression. But, and then we started doing stuff during the day together. Like I remember I went to your apartment at one point when you still had your apartment. And I think it was right before Halloween, we like went around and looked at like haunted Hollywood locations. Yeah. Like we went by the old Spanish kitchen and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. So we just found things that we both were interested in Mm -hmm. and like started doing things and getting closer. And so it was a very, very gradual, slow process, but one that's still blooming today. I know. 20 years later. Yeah. (laughs) and it was funny because let's talk about the hierarchy a little bit do we we even have time to get into that on this episode I think a little bit I think we touched on it in one of the last episodes there was a very strict hierarchy whether it was like which of Hef's friends sat nearest him at the dinner table or who sat where in the movie room oh my god and with the girlfriends it was always like the main girlfriend would be on one side of half and then whoever had the most seniority would be on the other side of half and then down the line like there was definitely a pecking order and it's stupid and it's embarrassing but I have to admit like it's something I got caught up in too because it exists it existed before me and then by the time I'm in the main girlfriend spot I know that if somebody who knows the drill is trying to get into my spot or sit in my seat like they're trying to disrespect me right like if it's not somebody new who doesn't know the rules like if it's a girlfriend who's already there and they know the rules like it's a big disrespectful move and once we became friends the other girls made a huge point of like never letting us sit together like when we would go because there would be nights um like maybe Tuesday nights we would all go out to a restaurant together or you know we would want to sit next to each other like in the limo or stand next to each other in a picture and we were never allowed to do that no the girls would always like nitpick and say that somebody else had more seniority so she had to be in between me and you when really like that whole group of girls that came in around the time you came in it's like splitting hairs because everybody kind of moved in at the same time but they would insist there was this one other girl who had more seniority so she would always wedge herself in between us yeah and I feel like our life at the mansion could have been a lot more enjoyable if we could have sat next to each other at the restaurants and things like that but we weren't even allowed that and I think they kind of did that on purpose to make us miserable oh 100% I want to go into a lot more detail on that yeah but unfortunately we have to pick up next week because 
an hour has gone by. Like this goes by Crazy. so fast yeah. for me because there's just so much to cover. But yes, next week is going to be all about the mean girls and just how bad it got. Like all the crazy backstabbing, how everybody ended up getting kicked out, everything that went on. It's going to be insane. So we'll see you then.